you have assets, real estate that you're not willing to hold for three to five years, now's a great time to sell it because if you're not looking to sell it right now in a year or two or three, the value could be lower. You could be looking at three to five years before the value comes back to where it currently is. Best ever listeners, where are you going to be on February 22nd and 23rd? I am visualizing that you're going to be in Denver, Colorado, because that's where the best ever conference is. And that's when it is February 22nd, 23rd, go to besteverconference.com and even put in Take five, so you get 5% off your ticket. So that is T-A-K-E and the number five whenever you purchase your ticket. And buy now because ticket prices go up weekly. So go to besteverconference.com. You can read all about the conference, the agenda, the speakers. We've got an incredible speaker list focused on commercial real estate so that includes five plus units if you're in multifamily and you're going to get a lot of value from this conference go to besteverconference.com it's the third time we've done it it improves every year and we have raving reviews i'm not just saying it ask people who have attended every year besteverconference.com enter take five t-a-k-e five when you purchase your ticket and get an extra five percent off Ticket price is going up weekly, so get it today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Jay Scott, how you doing, Jay? Joe, glad to be here. Great to be back. Thanks. I'm glad that you are here and I welcome you back with open arms because I always learn something during our conversations. I've seen you present at a couple conferences, and I know how much you hate presenting in public, but you are damn good at it, and you always teach the audience a whole lot of stuff. I won't speak for the audience. You always teach me a whole lot of stuff and perhaps some others as well. I appreciate that. So a little bit about Jay, just as a refresher, best ever listeners, he's been on the show a couple times, episode 217. This is not even close to episode 217. So it was over 1,000 days ago when I first interviewed you on the show. And the title of the episode is, You Only Have One Chance to Make a Good Flippin' Impression. We'll play on words. He focused on fix and flipping, especially at the time. Now I think you've brought your portfolio a lot since then. But another episode... Episode 1209, the interview on negotiating real estate, and that's a Skill Set Sunday episode that I highly recommend listening to because he also, when I mentioned that I've heard Jay at a couple conferences, one of the conferences in Philadelphia, Dave Van Horn put it on. Oh, no, actually, that was my conference, best ever conference. You actually talked about negotiating and some great tips there, and we talk about some of those tips in this interview. And Jay is the author of three real estate books, including the best-selling The Book on Flipping Houses, which has over 125,000 copies sold in just five years. And in fact, he's got a second edition of The Book on Flipping Houses that has recently released and a second edition of The Book on Estimating Rehab Costs that has recently released. So go check those out. Where's the best place to get those? Amazon or Bigger Pockets? Both are great. So you can buy them individually on Amazon or if you want the set with some bonus materials, go to biggerpockets.com and they can sell you both books together with some additional bonus materials. Since 2008, Jay's built, rehab, sold, lent on and held over $40 million in property because today 
is Sunday. We're going to have a special segment with Jay called Skill Set Sunday. You know the drill, best ever listeners. This episode is going to be focused on a specific skill that you can hone if you already have it. Maybe you'll get a little bit better or acquire by the end of our conversation. And here's the skill. How to recession-proof your real estate business. Jay said he's got some good ideas on how to do that. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. I do not know what those ideas are, so I'm looking forward to lively conversation. So with that being said, first, can you just give the best ever listeners a quick recap of your background just so we have some context? And then- yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate that introduction. So I've been in the real estate industry for about 10 years now, since 2008. My wife and I have a business together. We started out flipping houses. We did a couple hundred flips over the first five or six years of our career. And then we expanded into some smaller multifamily. We've done some lending. We've done some smaller rentals. We've done some note investing. We've done a little bit of everything and I'm a big fan of, and I guess we're going to talk about it in this discussion, but I'm a really big fan of instead of trying to fight the market, basically going with the market and doing what the market is allowing us to do. So we kind of do a lot of different investing strategies and we're always looking for kind of the path of least resistance and the low hanging fruit when it comes to our investing. So I mentioned prior to us recording that I really appreciate your post on Facebook about the economy. And I told you that most of the times I read something about what you post, I will then one day later read about it in the Wall Street Journal. Not the same day, not the day before, but one day later, I'll then read something about what you posted in the Wall Street Journal. I'm like, Wall Street Journal needs to hire you to get some better intel or some quicker intel, or maybe you're just faster to market because it's a Facebook account, not a edited post or edited article by the Wall Street Journal. So you do have speed to market on them. But that's why we're talking about the recession-proof your real estate business topic. So how do we do that? So I'm a big believer, like I said, in basically at any given point, the market has stuff to offer and the market has stuff that it's not offering. And you can basically be one of two types of investor. And there's nothing wrong with either. I'm not making no judgment here. The first type of investor is someone like you. You're actually a great example. There are people in this industry who are such a master of their craft. They're so good and so knowledgeable and so well-connected and so experienced that no matter what the market has to throw at them, they can be successful. You can go out during probably the worst parts of a recession or the best parts of an economic boom, whatever it is, you could go out and you could be successful buying multi-unit apartment complexes. And that's what 1% of the real estate investing population can do. They're just so good at what they do that no matter what the market's throwing at them, they can be successful. Unfortunately for the rest of us, it doesn't necessarily work that way. You could be a pretty good house flipper, but there are going to be parts of the economic cycle where house flipping is just not going to make sense for you or for anybody. You could be a really good landlord, but there's going to be parts of the economic cycle where acquiring rental properties just isn't going to make sense. So I'm a big fan of Knowing where we are in the cycle, knowing what strategies and what tactics are working in each part of the cycle, and also being able to prepare and plan for the next part of the cycle so that when it comes, you're ready to kind of pivot your business and and continue to make money. So we've noticed over the, and when I say we, I guess it's you and me and a lot of investors out there that have been paying attention. We've noticed that over the last year or two, the market has definitely changed. 
we've gone from what I like to call an expansion in economic terms, like the economy has been growing, GDP has been growing to a point where we've kind of hit a peak in the market. So instead of every month, there being fantastic economic news, obviously unemployment still great, GDP still good, but instead of it going up month over month over month, what we're starting to see is we're seeing mixed economic news coming out. So stock market is kind of up and down and wage growth is kind of hit or miss. And there's been some layoffs here and there and things are still really healthy overall, but we're starting to see signs of the economy cracking. We're starting to see signs that in a month or a year or two years, things may not be as good as they are now. And if you follow macroeconomics and economic theory, what you'll find is this isn't uncommon. It's perfectly natural for the market to go in cycles. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. And a typical cycle can last anywhere from five years to eight years. We're now almost, I think, 11 years into the current cycle. And it's perfectly natural for it to go up. So the fact that we're getting to a point where it's likely to turn down in the next several months or years isn't a reflection of who's in office. It isn't a reflection of how businesses are doing. It's just a reflection of that's the way our economy works. So what I've been talking to a lot of people about over the last few months is one, how we can modify our businesses for now so that we're reducing the risk should the market have a downturn. And second, how to prepare our businesses for the coming downturn and what we can do now so that when the market turns, we're prepared and we can still make money. Does that make sense? That does make sense. So in order to talk specifics about how to modify for our business now for reducing risk should the market have a downturn and how we compare to make money, do you need to have a specific type of business in order to use those or do you have concepts that apply to any type of real estate business? Well, there are certain strategies that are going to work better at this point in the market cycle. And sure, let's talk some details. I started with house flipping. I still flip houses. A lot of people I know flip houses, and I imagine a lot of people that listen to this show flip houses. So if you're flipping houses right now, a lot of these are common sense, but there are a lot of things that house flippers should be doing right now. So one is we've stopped doing big flips. We've stopped doing anything that's going to take more than six months. So between 2014 and 2017, we were doing some new construction. We were doing some what we call pop tops, where we add a second story on houses, adding square footage. We're not doing those anymore because we're not convinced that we necessarily have a six to 12 month runway before the market starts to turn down and prices start to decrease. So we're pretty much sticking with projects that are under six months long and preferably under three months long. We're making sure that any deal that we have has multiple exit strategies. So from 2013 to 2017, we were pretty certain that if we took on a flip deal, we'd be able to sell it as a flip. So having a backup strategy wasn't particularly important. But these days, having a, a secondary or even a third or fourth or fifth strategy as a backup, should your flip not work out, is really important. So maybe that backup strategy is turning the property into a rental. Maybe the backup strategy is being able to do a lease option or being able to do a wrapper subject to, depending on how you finance the property. But having a backup plan 
Maybe it's seller financing the property to an owner occupant who doesn't have great credit. Having a backup plan is important these days because you could get to the end of your flip and you could find that the ARV is lower than what you expected or it's because it's taking so long to sell that your carrying costs are higher. Maybe the rehab went over budget. So having a plan B, C, and D these days is really important. We're avoiding leverage these days. So one of the big risks in the market's potentially going to turn is that if interest rates go up or if the values of your property go down, you can't necessarily repay your loans. So it used to be that I'd have no problem taking out 100% loan to value loans against my flips because I was pretty confident that I was going to be able to sell for at least a little bit of profit. These days, if I'm planning on making 15% return on my investment on a flip and the market drops 20%, if I have a 100% loan, I'm automatically underwater. So we're avoiding large amounts of leverage. Okay. So you said avoiding leverage, but then you said avoiding large amounts of leverage. So you're still using leverage. Us personally, we are avoiding leverage altogether at this point in the market cycle. That said, I realize that a lot of people are not in the same position we are and they can't avoid using leverage completely. So to them, I would recommend avoid large amounts of leverage. So if you think that the biggest potential drop in the market is, let's say, 20%, then don't leverage your properties more than 80% loan to value because if the properties then drop 20%, you're right about even on your, on your loan. So figure out from your perspective, what's the worst case scenario? And then factor that into your risk model. With you avoiding any leverage, what are your thoughts of getting a long-term loan at, relatively speaking, lower interest rate based on where we're still at. That, to me, seems pretty conservative, but clearly you have a different approach to it because you're avoiding any leverage. So what are your thoughts about that? Keep in mind that I'm talking about flips right now. And if you want, I'd love after this, we can jump into some of the strategies that we're doing to prepare for the next phase. Because you're buying small multifamily and stuff too. Exactly. And And my strategy is completely different for the buy and hold. Okay. All right. Sorry. So this is only related to fix and flip. Okay. This is related to fix and flip. Exactly. Okay. Another thing we're doing is we're staying away from the higher priced houses in our market. So what you'll find is if you look at some historical data that when the market turns, the first type of house that typically sees a reduction in sales and, and greater inventory are the highest priced houses in any particular market. So if your average house price in your market is 200000 you probably don't want to be flipping the six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000 houses because when the market turns, that's the buyer demographic that's going to slow down first. So we're staying away from the really high-priced houses. And we're also staying away from speculatory purchases. So there were times when we would buy a flip thinking, eh, we may make a little bit, we may make a lot, let's take a chance. These days, we want to be absolutely certain of our numbers before we buy anything because the speculation is where you get in trouble when the market changes. Cool. And now how to prepare so that you can still make money in a downturn? Yeah. If you want to talk about things we're doing to prepare, we're moving a lot of our assets to cash. So during a downturn for anybody that wasn't around in 2007, 8, 9, 10, what you'll find is that when there's a recession and things get bad, or even as things start to improve on the other side, cash is king. Credit gets really tight. These days, anybody can get a loan, not anybody, but these days getting a loan on a rental property or even a flip isn't that tough. There's portfolio lenders out there. There's hard money lenders out there. There's private money out there. But what you'll find is as soon as the market turns, 
the portfolio lenders go away. The hard money lenders tend to slow down. Private money lenders, so your friends and family, they get scared to invest in things like real estate, so that goes away. So having cash is really the best way to keep your business moving forward during a downturn. So what I recommend to everybody is if you have any assets that you can easily liquidate, now's a great time to do that. Second, I tell people if you have assets, real estate, that you're not willing to hold for three to five years, now's a great time to sell it because if you're not looking to sell it right now, in a year or two or three, the value could be lower. You could be looking at three to five years before the value comes back to where it currently is. So if you're not interested in holding for three to five years, seriously consider selling now. I tell a lot of people, start working on building your credit. If you don't have good credit right now, credit is extremely important when there's a downturn. So lending requirements tighten up. You go from having a 680 credit score is good enough to get a mortgage to you have to have a 740 credit score. That's just an example. But having good credit will really give you more options when the market turns. Along the lines of credit, apply for lines of credit now. Even if you don't use those lines of credit, if you can take out a HELOC or a personal line of credit or a business line of credit, having that cash available for when great deals come along and you can't find private money or you can't find hard money or you can't find a bank to lend, having those lines of credit available now is really important because once the market changes, it's going to be a lot harder to qualify for those lines of credit. If you have any short-term debt, Now's a great time to restructure it because interest rates are going up. And as interest rates go up, it's going to be harder to refinance when a year or two or three from now, your debt comes due. So negotiate with your lenders. And if you have something that's going to come due or that's going to balloon or that's going to have an interest rate that resets in a year or two or three, go to your lender now and say, hey, can we restructure this into a five-year or seven-year loan now so that you don't have to worry about it in a couple of years when values are down and interest rates are up? I say sell off any income properties that can't handle a 10% decrease in rent or a 10% increase in vacancy. So during the last downturn, and I know in a lot of markets, rent stayed pretty strong, vacancy stayed pretty strong, but in some markets, vacancies and rents dropped significantly in 2008 and 9. So if you're barely cash flowing, if you can't handle a 10% drop in rents or you can't handle a 10% drop in occupancy, consider selling off that property and, and look for something better or just hold the cash. What else? Here's a big mistake that I see a lot of investors make when the downturn starts. They don't cut their losses. They're scared to take a little bit of a loss. So they hold and hold and hold and they chase the market down and they find that they end up taking a much bigger loss later. So what I like to say is if you happen to be in an area where the market turns and suddenly you've gone from making a little profit to breaking even or losing a little bit of money, don't be scared to cash out and say, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a loss because what you could find is six or 12 or 24 months later, that little loss could end up being a big loss. You're currently buying property that are not fix and flips, right? Correct. So what is your approach with those properties that you're purchasing and what types of properties are they? That's a great question. If you look again at historical data, what you find is typically the A-class properties are the first to take a big hit on rents and occupancy when the market turns. A lot of people start losing jobs, they take pay cuts, and people in A-class units are, find that they can't necessarily afford those units, and so they move down to B-class units. And people in B-class units move down to C-class units. So we're staying away from what a lot of people call the A-class properties, the high-end properties, and we're focusing a lot on the C-class properties. 
In fact, over the last year or two, we bought a bunch of D-class properties that we're improving to C-class because as the economy changes, as the market turns, there are going to be a lot of people who can't live where they're currently living, but they still need a place to live. So they'll move down a class or they'll move down two classes. So I'm a big fan of B and C-class properties during a recession. And it's not for me, but I know that there are a lot of landlords who focus on worse than C-class properties. And what they found during 2008 was that they were still able to make money. Remember, everybody needs a place to live no matter how little money they make. So if you're focused at the very bottom of the market, there's a lot of headaches there, but you may find that those units are more recession-proof than some of the higher-end units you might be considering buying. The D-class property that you're improving to a C-class, how many units is that? We have a 38 and a 16 right now. So these are mid-sized units. The 38-unit property, what type of financing do you have? We originally bought that seller financing, and then we refinanced into a portfolio loan with a local bank. And what are the terms of that loan? We are paying seven years, 6% amortized over 20 or 25. And in your mind, a seven-year loan is conservative enough knowing what you mentioned earlier about your belief in a correction taking place soon? It is. So if you look at the data historically, the market moves in cycles and you can kind of think of it as two different parts of the cycle. You have the expansion kind of like from when the recession ends until the next recession starts. And then you have the recession phase. And typically speaking, that expansion phase is about five times as long in general than the recession phase. So typically what we see when the market turns is there's a steep and a quick drop, but that tends not to last tremendously long. So if you have a loan that's at least three or four or five years out, you're probably going to be in a decent position by the time that resets or the time that you have to refinance. Also remember, interest rates tend to go up towards the top of the cycle. That's how the government controls inflation. But as you get towards the depths of the recession, things are really bad. The government's going to lower interest rates to encourage spending, to get people to stop saving money. So typically by the time the recession is done, which again is a year or two after it starts, interest rates are down low again or lower. So I'm perfectly comfortable with seven. I think I'd be comfortable with five or even four from here. Anything else you think we should talk about as it relates to building a recession-proof real estate company that we haven't already talked about? For your typical fix and flippers or buy and hold folks, I think that covers the bulk of it. But if you're a lender, it's interesting because I see a lot of lenders right now. They're either big hard money lenders or smaller private lenders. And what I find is that a lot of these lenders are lowering their rates today because they're so desperate to find deals. So they're lowering their rates, they're increasing their loan to value. So they're taking more risk in terms of the amount of leverage they're giving out. And I find that I do some private lending out of my IRA. And for me, I'm doing just the opposite. I'm actually raising my rates and I'm being more conservative on my loan to value. What are um, your rates? What do you charge? Typically, I lend mostly to people that I know and trust and on properties that I will look at and say, I'd be happy to own this property if something happens. So typically, I'll lend at somewhere in the 10 to 12% range, no points maybe even a little bit cheaper than that if it's a deal that I can almost root for them to fail on and I can take the property, not that I ever root for my borrowers to fail. 
But if I'm really, really comfortable with the collateral, I might do a little bit less than 10. But these days I'm starting to do 12 to 14 again with a point because I know that there's additional risk. If the market turns, there are going to be a lot of fix and flippers. They're going to get caught with their pants down when the market turns. And I know that there's some buy and hold investors that they might be cash flowing now, but they won't necessarily be cash flowing if rents drop 10% or if occupancy drops 10%. So I'm being a lot more cautious with my lending now. I'm increasing rates. I'm focusing a lot more loans on buy and hold investors because typically buy and hold properties if bought well are going to be recession proof. If your DSCR is high enough, you're not going to have to worry about a 10% drop in rents. So if I have to take back a buy and hold property, I'm less concerned than if I have to take back a flip that might be 5 or 10 or 20% underwater. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you and learn more about what you got going on? Absolutely. Anybody that wants to get in touch with me, my email address is the letter J at 123flip.com. You can check out my website at 123flip.com. You can follow me on Facebook, J. Scott Investor. And if you want to check out my books, it's the book on flipping houses, the book on estimating rehab costs, and the book on negotiating real estate, all available on Amazon and soon all to be available on biggerpockets.com. Those all sound like friend episodes. Have someone told you that? <laughs> yes, the, the yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, the show. The, yep, show, about the show about. Yeah. Well, Jay, thank you so much for being on the show. Helpful for any type of investor, but certainly fix and flippers. If you're fix and flipping right now, do fix and flips that take less than six months. You have multiple exit strategies. You avoid large leverage. Jay avoids any leverage on the fix and flips right now and avoid the higher price homes. And similarly, for buy and hold portfolios, staying away from A-class properties. We don't buy A-class properties for this reason, as well as having loans. You said at least four years. Agree there. Our loans are at least five years. And ultimately, I also like buying cash flowing properties that regardless of what happened, if you're making money and you can ride out the storm where the loan does not become due, then you're in a pretty good spot. And I've wrote about my three immutable laws of real estate investing, and they certainly overlap with what you're saying here because you mentioned earlier to be cash heavy, and that's definitely important during a correction. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day. Really enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Joe. Best ever listeners, best ever conference. That's where you want to be, February 22nd and 23rd in Denver, Colorado. Put in the code TAKE5, T-A-K-E, and the number 5 to get an extra 5% off. Ticket prices go up weekly, so buy it today, besteverconference.com. You can read all about the conference at the website, all about the speakers. You can read about them and what you will experience when you're there, besteverconference.com. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.